0: Good morning. Let's try this. I'm excited to be here. How about you? All right, all right. Well, a couple months ago, I kicked a hole in our wall. And uh, I don't mean that like some kind of spiritual breakthrough. I kicked a literal hole in our wall. I think I have a picture of it. Uh, There we go. Yeah. Um, You know, work, family life, church life was just a little stressful. And I needed to go for a workout. I don't know about you, but I get cranky if I don't exercise at least like every couple days. Anyone else like that with me? And so I needed to go for a workout and I was on the way to the gym and uh, you know, I-, I grabbed my headphones and oh, I lost my stupid adapter. The stinking new iPhones don't have headphone jacks, right? So you gotta have the adapter. I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. Because I needed music to work out. I just can't work out without music. And so I was like, I've got two different sets of Bluetooth headphones, this will be fine, this will be fine. So I got my first set of Bluetooth headphones. Trying to pair it with my iPhone. Won't we'll pair, won't we'll pair, won't we'll pair. So, threw it on the ground. I like, Fuck. I got one more set of Bluetooth headphones. We're, we're good, we're good, we're good, So I grab it, won't we'll, we'll connect, won't we'll connect, won't we'll connect. Threw it on the ground. I'm just like, I gotta go work out. I, I need some music to do this, Arr! Like Kicked a hole in the wall. Uh, not good, so it's still there in my office to remind me to not lose control, not to get, get to that point where I'm gonna make some decision that I'm going to regret later. Ever had one of those situations where you've done something out of anger, out of frustration, and you look back later and you're like, that was not the smartest decision, right? I mean, if you're breathing, you've probably done something stupid before, right? Uh, I know some of you have, so amen. <laughs> uh, but we all have those situations where we've got angry, we've gotten frustrated, we've dealt something up later, and we look back and we've regretted it. Well, here we are. We are in this series of the Book of Esther. Here at Mosaic, we like to go through books of the Bible. And we are in week two of the Book of Esther. And two weeks ago, we didn't have church last week because of the fun blizzard that we all loved, right? Uh, Praise God for sunshine. Amen. It's melting snow. So good. So uh, two weeks ago, we talked about King Ahasuerus and how a uh, very pride-filled man kind of inherited the empire from his father, King Darius, who was uh, this great warrior who expanded the empire. Well, what happened was we talked about how King Ahasuerus was doing this 180-day party, basically a six-month party where there's a, a war uh, conference where they're, they're planning this out, how they're going to invade the, the Greek empire. And basically, after all these days of feasting and drinking, King Ahasuerus wants to parade Queen Vashti, his wife, in front of everyone, and she refuses. Well, he's angry, and he doesn't know what to do, and his advisor around him, like, hey, you don't control of your woman. All the other women in the empire are not gonna obey their husbands either, so you need to do something about that, and like, exile her, and kick her out, and you know, don't let her be queen anymore. So he does that to her. Well, But now we're going to see what happens. He's looking back now in some regret, and he's missing his queen. Esther chapter 2, verse 1. After these things, when the anger of King Ahasuerus had abated, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what had been decreed against her. Well, it took... King Ahab for about four years to realize that he had made a bad decision by divorcing Vashti, deposing her of the queen. Four years after losing his temper, he divorces his wife. Basically, he wakes up one morning listening to, you know, country music. You know, he's got no friends around him except for his three friends, Jack, Jose, and Jim. You know, Jack Daniels, uh, Jose Cuervo, and Jim B. He's a guy listening to country music, he's drinking too much, hitting the bottle, he's not doing good. Kind of the great prophetic King Ahab. Life, maybe I shouldn't have divorced her and banished her from my presence. How many of you guys can relate to that? Maybe you were in a situation, a relationship, maybe dating someone, maybe even married to them, and you got frustrated and angry, and you just got rid of them, you just ended that relationship. And then you think, wow, that was a dumb idea. I miss being married, I miss being in a relationship, what was I thinking? And that's where we find King hazards a kind of depressed, despondent, discouraged place. Have you been there? Well, how did he get into this position where he is regretting the decision that he made? How of you like to know so we can learn from King Ahasuerus and learn from his mistakes? Well, that's what we're going to dive into right away. First, uh, we're going to learn from King Ahasuerus' mistakes so we don't make those same mistakes. Uh, this morning, uh, as Marcus said, there's a note sheet in your program. And our goal is to give you not just some information. We want to help you have a life of transformation. So we think if you can hear it, if you can see it, write it down, and then discuss it in your small group, you get those truths down deep into your heart. So the first thing, if you're taking notes and I'll write this down, that those who chase their own glory only get misery. That those who chase their only glory, oh, only, glory only get misery. Up until this part of the story, chapter 1, what we've seen from King Ahasuerus is that he lived for his own glory. The reason he divorced his wife is that he was concerned that her disobedience would cause people to doubt his glory and his power. We talked about his throne, his majestic throne that his soldiers would carry into battle in front of him. You couldn't approach the throne unless you were called for, otherwise you could be killed for that. And in the past four years, history tells us not only has he lost his wife, but through the ancient historian of Herodias, they also lost a war. See, he wanted glory. He wanted to be a king who ruled all the kingdoms of the earth. His father was the great king, Darius, who had established the empire, who had made it bigger. And his father's one blemish on his military record was a defeat against Greece. And so King Xerxes was like, I'm going to be grand, my father. I'm going to conquer Greece. And he decided to assemble the largest army the world had ever seen and march from Persia to Greece. And he was going to conquer the Greeks to supersede his father's glory. But his army is lost. He was defeated, a great personal loss of uh, of treasure and and money and power and prestige. Uh, We talked last week, I don't recommend the movie, but if you've seen the movie 300, it kind of tells that story of King Ahasuerus being defeated. Two and a half thousand years later, we're still talking about this king losing. And the ancient uh, historian Herodias describes the king's life after this military defeat as one of sensual overindulgence. He fooled around with the wives of his military officers, And actually that led to his assassination in his own bedroom in 465 B.C. What we see is those who chase after their own glory only get misery. Those who just try to live for themselves and and to chase their own glory just get misery in response. Number two, we see that when you don't turn to God, you turn to someone else to replace God. And when you don't turn to God, you you turn to someone else to replace God. So what happens to you and to me is that in our relationships, that when they suffer and fail because we can't, different people, the job description is only hand to God. Someone who will never leave us, never forsake us, never fail us, always help us. See, people fall under the weight of being God to us. When we hand people a job description that only God can fill, we're going to get let down. And so King Ahabers, his whole life has collapsed. He's lost his wife. He's lost the war. He's a laughingstock. He's humiliated. He's despairing. And like a typical man, he wants a woman to fix it, right? <laughs> and I'll tell you what, as a husband, I'm guilty of this. You know, I've done this with my wife. There have been times when I've been Christen to fulfill a job description that only Jesus can fulfill. I like think we do this to our spouses, we do this to our coworkers, we do this to our friends, our counselors. We expect them to fill a role that only Jesus can fill, and that gets us into trouble. Sadly, King Ahasuerus doesn't come to his senses and say, I'm a sinner in need of God. Instead of turning to God, he turns to his single friends, the young men. Now, you think a king could afford better counselors than uh, the young single guys, right? It's like, hey, guys. Basically, you walk into a frat house, and he's like, guys, I need some relationship advice. And so what are the young single frat house guys going to say to him? "Um, Let's find some hot young virgins for you to conquer. That's what they say. <clears throat> Verse 2, then the king's young men who attended him said, let beautiful young virgins be sought out for the king. And let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of the kingdom to gather all the beautiful young virgins to the harem and Susanic citadel under custody of Haggai, the king's eunuch, who's in charge of the women. Let their cosmetics be given to them. Lots of makeup. And let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. And this pleased the king, and he did so. So the young single friends... Of King Azar going on the plane. Let's basically do The Bachelor, Persia. Let's have a bunch of beautiful young virgins all come to a spa for a year to get all dolled up to get ready for their one night stand with the king. This is going to be amazing television. It's going to be the best reality show ever. They basically invented The Bachelor long before we ever watched it here. Isn't it amazing though that in 2,500 years things haven't changed a whole lot? We still have reality shows like this. Like. The human heart never changes, even though nations, rulers, and times change. This is basically the same thing. Verse 5. Now there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, son of Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. So we met King Ahazus. Kind of, like I said, listening to country music, kit in the bottle, he misses his wife. Single friends are like, let's do the bachelor of Persia. All right. Now we meet Mordecai. And he's from the tribe of Benjamin and a descendant of King Saul. And that's an important detail we're going to get into next week. So stay tuned for that. Remember that for next week. Mordecai's connection to King Saul, there's going to be something here down the story while well, that's important. Verse 7, he was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. And when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So we've met King Ahasuerus and Mordecai. And now he meets Esther, who our book is named after. It's interesting, she's actually the only person in the story who's given two names by the author. And a few of the commentators I read said, this is probably the author's way of depicting Esther as a young woman trying to live in two worlds the Jewish world in which she was raised, and the opulent word, world of the Persian court into which she was kind of thrust. And the fact that she has two identities is an issue that's going to be brought into sharp conflict later in the story. How many of you can identify with Esther feel like you have two different identities? Maybe you have an identity with your friends from church in your group, and then a different identity when you're at work. Or maybe when you're with certain members of your family, you have a certain identity. And then when you're with a different group of people, you put on a, a different mask or a different identity.
1: We see Esther, she's struggling with this,
0: my Hadassah, Jewish woman, adopted daughter Mordecai, and my Esther, my Persian name. And Esther became an orphan when her parents died. Mordecai adopts her, and raises her as his own daughter, and becomes her dad, that's awesome. It's awesome that he adopts his cousin and becomes her dad. And Mosaic, one of our goals is that we make foster care, that we make adoption just normal. That's just something that we do. And so here, at Moseley, if you want to be a, a safe place, if that's something that you're are interested in, we're going to have an informational meeting next month talking more about foster care, about adoption care. And even if you don't personally feel called to adopt, that as a community, we want to come alongside those among us who do. See, how can we support you in that? How can we just make it normal? How can we celebrate that just as much as when someone gives birth and has a baby? So Mordecai, he adopts Esther, and that's great. But he's not a perfect adopted father. We're going to see that Mordecai fails Esther in two pretty big ways. Uh, before we dive into that, we'd join me in prayer, and then we'll, we'll continue on. God, thank you uh, for this morning. Uh, we thank you. As we look at Esther chapter 2, just what you want to teach us. So God, I pray that uh, this morning, my words be your words. God, that our hearts would spring alive to what your spirit wants to speak to us. Thank you, God, for your love and for your truth. In your name we pray. Amen. So we've met King Ahasuerus, Mordecai, Esther. Three of our main characters in this chapter, at least. And Mordecai adopts Esther. But like King Ahasuerus, who made some mistakes, we're going to see Mordecai make some of the same mistakes. And first, Mordecai failed Esther by not protecting her like a good dad is called to do. He failed Esther by not protecting her like a good dad is called to do. Verse 18. So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Susa the citadel in custody of Haggai, Esther also was taken into the king's palace. And put in custody of Haggai, who had charge of the women. Esther was forcibly taken out of her home, into the king's palace. In the same way that her people, the Jews, were forcibly taken out of their country and into exile. She's now at the mercy of a ruthless pagan king and taken into his harem. She's caught up and swept along by circumstances beyond her control. And here we see the first failure of Mordecai. A fifteenth century Jewish commentator wrote this, When Mordecai heard the king's herald announcing that whoever had a daughter or a sister should bring her to the king to have intercourse with an uncircumcised heathen, why did he not risk his life to take her to some deserted place to hide till the danger would pass? He should have been killed rather than submit to such an act. Where was his righteousness, his piety, and his vow? Ahasuerus is an awful man who is a pervert and a creep. Remember last time we talked about how he stole his brother's wife? And then not only that, he found his niece attractive so that he married her too. Now he's going to gather hundreds of teenage virgins so he can get his hands on them and have a one night stand with them all. Like, can we all just vote? Like, all favorite King Hazard's total loser and creep, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, if this guy came to my house and was like, hey, I want to spend one night with your daughter. You better believe it. i would be to prison ministry, because you know, I wouldn't be here anymore, this guy would be greedy. I'd be like, I don't think so. You know, whatever what it cost to me? Right? Because men are commanded by God to cover and protect the women in their lives. Men are commanded by God to cover and protect the women in their lives. Um, a couple of us went down to a pastor conference down in Florida, uh, down in February, and uh, one of the speakers down there was a guy named Rod Hairston. He's actually a chaplain for the Baltimore Ravens, and uh Church out there, and he, he spoke on this topic a little bit, and then I was giving away three copies of his book, and I grabbed one, and it was really good, and it just talks about how, um, as men, we have a calling, because God created most of us just stronger than the women around us, and we're no less equal. But we have a unique calling to protect, to cover, to look out for the women and the children in our community, whether we're married or not. And as men as a part of Mosaic, we have a calling to protect the ladies here in our midst in our family. To protect the single moms in our community, the young ladies. To make sure creeps don't come into our community and want to harm the women, to abuse them. And this is just a really good book. I, I encourage if, if you have a daughter, or if you just want to learn more about our role as men and how God uniquely designed us. Protecting the cover. Uh, we've, uh, we've got ten of these copies of the book out there in the lobby. Just grab them. Uh, it's really good. I've been reading it nights. Um, you know, as a dad, as a husband, uh, as a pastor. And I encourage anyone as a free gift, grab this book. Uh, really good. Um, great stuff. But uh, as men, we're called to cover and protect the women in our lives. And the author of Esther makes no excuses for Mordecai. She doesn't. The author doesn't say. You know, there's some kind of vision that Mordecai receives to, okay, don't let Esther go into the harem. This is going to be good. There's no excuses there. Mordecai fails Esther by not covering and protecting her. Esther also was taken to the king's palace and put in custody of Haggai, who had of other women. And the young woman pleased him and won his favor. And they quickly provided her with her cosmetics and her portion of food. And with seven chosen young women from the king's palace, and advanced her and the young women to the best place in the harem. Esther had not made known her people, or her kindred, that she's Jewish. For Mordecai had commanded her not to make it known. And every day Mordecai walked in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and what was happening to her. This is the second way that Mordecai failed his adopted daughter. He failed to lead her spiritually. Remember how he taught God that Cyrus the Great had allowed the Jewish people to return to the Promised Land? Question is, did everyone move back to the promised land or did some people stay? Some stayed behind. And Mordecai's family was one of those families who stayed behind. <laughs> question is, well, should we have gone? Yes. The prophet Isaiah gave a prophecy on behalf of the Lord that God's people in Babylon were to return to Jerusalem, but some didn't obey. So Mordecai is part of this disobedient people of God. And what we can tell from our text, from what we've learned so far, Mordecai didn't want to walk towards God. He didn't want to walk with God doesn't want to worship God. There's no indication that Mordecai's leading his family. How many of you maybe can identify with Mordecai, though? He's not an atheist, you know, thing from the text. But he didn't like to tell people that he worshiped the God of the Bible. In fact, he told Esther, don't tell people we worship one true God. The faith is private, not public. They're disobeying the Old Testament commands, eating food they're not supposed to eat, engaging in holidays they're not supposed to participate, in, they're living where they're not supposed to live. If you ask him one-on-one, do you believe in God? Paul will say, yeah, but don't really tell anyone. Back in February with we this series, talking about the difference between being a Christian family and name and culture versus a Christ-centered home. How we don't want to be just a Christian family. Yeah, we're a Christian family, but it doesn't inform our decisions about who we are. We want to be a Christ-centered home. Christ in the center of all the decisions that we make. More guys leaving his family, there. they're a Christian home. They're a religious home, just maybe at home but it doesn't really inform their decisions. How many of you can identify that maybe, though, with Mordecai? Well, I'm not an atheist, but I don't, I'm not really public about in God. That's Mordecai. Mordecai's sin here is that he doesn't do anything. He's passive. Men, we're supposed to speak up, we're supposed to act, especially when it involves women, especially young women, especially our young women. Men, we need to reject passivity and accept responsibility. That is what God's called us to do to reject passivity, to accept responsibility. And I want to challenge, especially you dads of teenagers or if you've got teens or daughters who are young adults, because it's so easy to have an attitude of, well, my, my daughter's an adult now. She gets to make her own decisions. You know, She's dating a total loser, doesn't believe in God. They're sticking together. They're going to move in. But what can I do? You can act. You can speak up. You're still her dad. You can still speak into her life. You still have a responsibility. Reject passivity. Accept responsibility. Step up. Protect and cover your daughter. However, open she is. Esther lost her parents and became an orphan. Then her adopted father failed. In the book of Esther, we're seeing hundreds of young girls are taken by the king to be used and abused powerful men are abusing young and innocent girls. I don't know about you, but it leaves me longing for justice and something better. This all-powerful king, taking as many young girls as he wants, it's like, wow, what kind of story is that? But there is something better. See, Jesus is the true and better Mordecai. Jesus is the true and better Mordecai. See, Mordecai adopted Esther. <laughs> But through Jesus, we are chosen and adopted by God to become heirs of Christ Jesus. see, Mordecai failed to protect and cover Esther and lead her spiritually, but Jesus will never fail you. Mordecai visited Esther daily to check in on her, but Jesus is with us at all times. He doesn't just visit us, he's with us all the time. Nothing in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Mordecai failed to lead Esther. But Jesus will never fail to lead us in the path of everlasting life. Jesus is the true and better word of God. Romans 8. There's a lot to say about this. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later, verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. And for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. And are called according to the purpose of them. Verse 34. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life nor angels nor demons. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. God <coughs> wants to adopt you into his people. <clears throat> if you are not yet a follower of Christ, someone who is a son or daughter of the king, he invites that invitation to me. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we need to live in the knowledge that nothing will separate us from our adopted dad. And though Mordecai failed Esther, our Heavenly Father will never fail us. He will protect us. He will lead us. He won't just check in on us. He'll be right by our side all the time. We're going to watch this video. And then we're going to go into a time of just our response on And after the video, when the band plays this song on, we're going to have a prayer team, my friends. And this will be a time that we just want to encourage you to come down and receive prayer. Maybe you have a physical need in your life that you need healing from. Our Father wants to meet you. We want to pray for you. Maybe you just have something going on in your life you're struggling an emotional need, a spiritual need. Maybe you just have some thoughts you can't get out of your head. I want to invite you to come down after uh, this video and the band plays to receive prayer. Uh, I've played this video one other time. Uh, It was a long time ago. Uh, But I I love this video. I think this just shows a perfect picture of the church, of God's family, and what it means to be adopted into his family. Uh, Go ahead and check out this video.